0: An Inward Journey Any among us who are inclined to, or have loved ones who are inclined to, excessive rumination and habitual self-scrutiny, will find kinship with Nancy and her wandering thoughts. There's much to learn from Nancy, as we are carried along on her inward journey, with all its painful recollections, noble impulses, unjust self-accusals, and generosity of spirit for everyone but herself we learn things within that journey and about the journey itself. We see, for example, that this morbid habit can be the curse of idle hours. Nancy, who had too little to occupy her outside her domestic duties, who rarely walked beyond her own house and garden, whose mind was not courted by a great variety of subjects, and who was, shut out from her due share of outward activity and practical claim on her affections, she was denied the opportunity of motherhood, had no voices to call her or demands to divert her from this inward soliloquy. Few of us find ourselves under the same cultural constraints that Nancy did. For us, such idleness is more easily escapable. But I am sure I am not alone in benefiting from the indirect reminder, when I myself am engaged in excessive rumination, that to be up and doing can stop the inner wheels from turning." More sympathetically, we also observe that this habit, morbid though it might be, can be born of a noble nature. Nancy's self-questioning is described as, perhaps inevitable to a noble-hearted, childless woman when her lot is narrow. Her continual self-questioning about whether her conduct has been, in any respect, blamable is a corollary of her absolute determination never to do anything that is. She pours over all the little details of her history, the words, tones, and looks, in an effort always to gain a deeper insight into the relations and trials of life. And having, to the best of her ability, formed her little code of conduct, she acts upon it unwaveringly. Her philosophy of life is well captured in her words to Godfrey after he offers his love of her as an excuse for his lies. I wasn't worth doing wrong for. Nothing is in this world. Whether this self-scrutiny is noble, or neurotic, or both, the deep-diving insight it gives us into Nancy's mind helps us to better understand her and ourselves. Eliot uncovers countless thoughts and impulses and motives that we might find within our own souls. And if not... We at least have been given a blueprint to uncover their counterparts within us. From her narration of Nancy's inward reflections, for example, we learn that sometimes, quote, the vindication of the loved object is the best balm for its wounds. Unquote. I had to read that sentence and the paragraph surrounding it a few times before I fully grasped its meaning, assuming I do now, and I'm glad I put in the effort. Justly or not, Nancy's generosity of spirit compels her to find excuses for her husband's evident disappointment over the absence of children from their hearth. Rather than, like Priscilla does, complaining of men and their always wanting, 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 never easy with what they've got, she spends many a Sunday afternoon on an inward preparation of Godfrey's defense, that men like to have somebody to work for and lay by for. She soothes the pain that Godfrey inflicts on her by justifying the infliction. The vindication of the loved object is the best balm for its wounds. This whole section abounds with poignant insights into Nancy's psychology and soul, from the relationship between her dust-free parlor and her rigid scruples, to her renunciation of the habit of visiting the drawer of little clothes as a sinful act of self-indulgence to the surprising similarities between her girlish reasonings about religion and the way of thinking of the most devout, and more. I think it is perfectly characteristic of Eliot's writing that we can be taken on a captivating and illuminating journey that takes place entirely in the mind of a simple countrywoman sitting idle in her parlor and engaging in self-reflection.